Hi, Shugo. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, if you don't know me, and if you didn't hear Shugo just shout my name, uh, my name is J.R. Hunt. Uh, I've been a regular attender of uh, West Covina Christian Church for the past six and a half years, about as long as I've been uh, married to my wife, Susan. Uh, we have a daughter, uh, Amelia, uh, who just turned three, and uh, my son, Owen, just turned six months. Uh, now, I have to say that I'm very grateful and terrified uh, to be here in this position again. Uh, to share with you, though, what God has put on my heart uh, to share this morning. So again, Shugo mentioned this already, but if this is your first time to the church, uh, we do just want to really extend a really warm welcome uh, to you. We're really, truly glad uh, that you're here with us today. Um, so please, as Shugo said, take some time after service to connect with our Connection Central booth in the back corner. Um, and also, I uh, want to direct your attention to the connection cards. I'm going to make a reference to them a little bit later, but please take a look at your connection cards, fill those out. Um, it's a great way to get connected with the church, the ministries of the church, uh, really to share your, your needs, your prayer requests. Um, so uh, also before I start, I just want to say there's a little bit of a, a snafu. You know, as, as you know, we've been going through Acts uh, so far in the last few weeks, and uh, I'm not speaking on Acts. Now, what happened there? Uh, this is my fault. It's my bad. Uh, so, but uh, even though we're not going through Acts today, we're not continuing that series, uh, we're going to be looking at a verse in Ephesians. Uh, I believe that Paul's message in Ephesians uh, has a lot of relevance to the lessons that we've been learning in the book of Acts. Last week, David Kitani, um, he highlighted how as a church, we can have spiritual and cultural, we can just have blinders um, to the people around us. And in many ways, the story of the early church is one of the power of God uh, bringing about unity from people of diverse backgrounds. Now, one of the ways that Satan can undermine unity um, is in how we communicate or don't communicate uh, with one another. So today, uh, I'm going to be spending a little bit of time uh, drilling into how Scripture directs us as believers to interact and communicate with one another. So I'd like to start just by reading our verse for today, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, and it says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So let's pray. Lord, humble us as we come before your word. Humble me um, as I come before your word. Speak to us through your word, God, that we could speak and be more like you, that we would be rooted in truth and grounded in love. God, help us to see with your eyes how we ought better love and build up one another. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. Amen. So a little less than two years ago, um, you know, my family, we moved into our home in Placentia uh, you know, with my wife's grandmother, my mom. It's a big time of transition. I'd never uh, really uh, been in a house before, um, and it was a new neighborhood. But 
for whatever reason, this is youthful naivete, right? I was really excited to take care of a lawn. Right? Even the idea of mowing the lawn, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to do this. Like, I'm ready to be a homeowner, like mow a lawn, water it, take care of things. Uh, but my, my coworkers were, and I could tell by some of the smiles on the homeowners' faces here that that was naivete. <laughs> uh, but, you know, even my coworkers, I would tell, I would express this enthusiasm to you, and they were basically taking bets for when that uh, enthusiasm would wear off, for when I would go from excited to mow my lawn to, you know, downtrodden homeowner. They were just counting the days. Um, but... You know, two years later, I have to say, now, my sentiment is very different, especially with this hot summer weather. It is kind of a chore to mow your lawn when it's 100 degrees outside. But going back to when we moved in, um, and we had just moved in, I remember I was mowing the lawn, and I hadn't met this neighbor. This neighbor was out. I never talked to her before. uh, And so I'm mowing the lawn, and it's really loud, and she kind of just hollers across the way. She says, Hey, did you put any new seed out? I've never talked to this person, so you know, I stop mowing the lawn. I look over, and I say, uh, "No, just just mowing the lawn, you know, just just doing the thing that you see me doing." <laughs> and, and then she said, "You know, it it looked a lot better with the previous owners." I was so hurt. <laughs> I was like, okay. Mm, you know, have a good day. Single tear, you know, coming down my face. Uh, yeah, what, what happened there? Yeah, what was that? I, I was in a pretty good mood that morning, right? I was a pretty proud homeowner, although you know, the grass was very brown and mostly crabgrass, right? But until that, that person, right, my neighbor said those words, and that, I, that really brought me down. And why did that happen? You know, a few choice words from someone, maybe someone you know, maybe someone in church, even a stranger, right? And you can go from riding high to just downright depressed, at least for me, right? In Proverbs 18.21, the author writes this. He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. He says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And this kind of sets us up just for the first point I wanted to make this morning, which is that how we communicate with one another matters. It matters. In other words, how we speak, how I interact with each one of you, anyone, on a day-to-day basis can have profound life or death implications. And I don't think the Bible is exaggerating when it says that, right? Because the words that we use and we deliver and how we deliver those words, it can bring devastation to a person or it can bring revival, It can open you up to new and deeper relationships with the people around you, or it can burn bridges. And have we, have you ever, have we ever considered our speech in those particular terms, that it's life or death, 
that what we say has the power of life or death. Now, for me, maybe in theory, right, I've, I've known of this verse, right, but in practice, most of the time, I, I probably don't. And yet I know that all of us, every single person in this room, has been in a situation where words have been delivered to you that, that had a big impact, right? Or we ourselves have delivered words to someone that we know or love that have had a big impact on them, right? This happens in our marriages. It happens between parents and their kids. It happens in, between coworkers in the workplace, friends, strangers. All of our relationships are subject to the dramatic power of the words we use and how we use them. Because, like the proverb says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay, so my uh, daughter, Amelia, she's beautiful. Okay? Uh, very cute. She turned three last month, and she, she loves to troll me. Okay? Now, I know that's not a term that everyone knows. Okay? Uh, trolling is basically this modern slang right, for uh, doing something intentionally to get like, a reaction out of someone, and that, that gets, that's like, enjoyment for them. Okay? So I, I don't know where my daughter got this from. Certainly not from me. Probably from me. <laughs> Probably from me. Okay? But sometimes, right, we'll be getting her ready for bed. She'll be brushing her teeth. Right? And then she'll like, get this really big smile on her face. And she'll, just, and she'll turn to me. And then she'll look back up at Susan. And she'll say, I don't like daddy. I don't like him. What? What do you mean? Like, I love you so much. I don't love him. Like, who taught her this? <laughs> you know, and, you know, I think because I have a fragile ego at first, right, those words just, like, devastated me. I'm like, no, you got to love me. Um, but later I realized, you know, that she was just, you know, pulling my chain. She just, like... <laughs> to get a reaction from me. Um, and the, the opposite of that experience, though, is, right, well, I'll, I'll come home from work, I'll come through the garage, and she'll see me, and then she'll just go, Daddy, Daddy, you're home. I'm so excited to see you, Daddy. Just run up and give me a hug. And you, I could have the worst day in history at work, just the worst day ever, right? But when I hear those words, when I see her running up to me, Right, doesn't matter. Fills me with with joy, with gratitude, with like life. I'm just like rejuvenated. It's like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Right, all of that to say, right, that again, that the words and how we say them, even from a child, right, can have a dramatic impact on us. So in light of that, I just want to go back to Ephesians 4:15, our verse today, and we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of speaking the truth in love. Now, Ephesians 4.15, again, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And we're really going to hone in on this uh, speaking the truth in love um, part. And it's an easy enough phrase to say. Right? You, it's, it's almost too easy to kind of gloss right over that phrase. And if you're reading the book of Ephesians to yourself, you might say, oh, okay, well, I should say true things 
you know, say, make sure that I say true things, and I shouldn't be a jerk about it. That's easy enough. No sweat. Um, but we know, in practice, it is not quite so easy seeking the truth in love. In fact, it's much more complicated, right, because we have to acknowledge that we are all sinners, right? Our, our sin nature, in fact, is in constant warfare with ourselves over whether we speak the truth and whether we even speak that truth in love. Okay? Language and how we communicate is, in fact, so difficult that in James chapter 3, 6 through 8, and I'm going to kind of abbreviate it, you know, the author writes that the tongue is a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. He says that every kind of beast and bird can be tamed and has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of poison. Oh, deadly poisons, even deadlier than just poisons, deadly poison. Wow. Those are incredibly strong words from James, and that should give even the most confident communicator here pause about how we use our words and how we interact with others. So that brings us just to our second point uh, that I wanted to touch on today, which is that speaking the truth in love seeks the good of others. Okay, speaking the truth in love seeks the good of others. Now, if we're committed to following Scripture's call to speak the truth in love, the one step we must take is to be humble enough and open enough to examine and question our own motives, our own intentions. And if I approach Shugo, tell him, hey, I didn't like when you looked at me like that. Right? I may have told him how I felt, but was I seeking his good when I said that? How was I building him up right, by saying that? Getting something off of your chest, right, as true as it may be right, with someone that you're talking to, getting something off your chest is not the same as speaking the truth in love. Right? In what way are we seeking to build someone up if we're just saying, hey, I just want to get this off my chest. The truth is, is that fill in the blank. Right? That's not building someone up. If I was truly considering how I might seek the good of Shugo, my words, my actions may have been very different. And oftentimes you hear someone, after they deliver a harsh critique, they might afterwards say, well, I was only telling you the truth. Or someone approaches you and says, hey, the truth is, most of the time, we're going to brace ourselves, right? Because most of the time when someone says, well, the truth is, they're getting ready to, to deliver some, some harsh news to you, right? They're getting ready to, to give you a critique, right? When that leads us to this question I want, to, I want us to ask ourselves, which is, are we as quick to praise or thank or express gratitude to someone as we are to critique them? When we speak in love, it ought to drive us to build up and to understand, to empathize, to restore, to ask, how can I help? Uh, so I work at a, uh, my day job, right? I work at a software company uh, based in Diamond Bar, and our organization is an international one. 
Uh, we have people from many different countries. A lot of times they'll come in, visit, we have meetings. Uh, so there, we have people coming in from Brazil, Spain, China, Hungary. Uh, and so this is a thing that happened several uh, years ago. Uh, I remember I was driving home from work, and you know, it was a long day, I was tired. I remember this very detail. Right? I was driving downhill, right? That's the detail I remember. And I remember this uh, car came in front of me and basically slowed to a near stop, right? Uh, in the middle of the road. There's no stoplight nearby. And I just had to like slam on my brakes, right? Just come to like a screeching halt behind this person. And again, this is my reaction. I know all of you would never react in the way that I'm about to describe. <laughs> Right? No, no one here would react like this. Right? But I, you know, I said, what are you, in my car, what are you doing? What the heck? I had my hand in the air. I had the ugliest mad driver face, right, that you can imagine. You know, like that. It's probably worse, way worse. Right? And again, no one here would do this. Right? Only I would do this, right? I, 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 you know, as, as we went forward eventually, I went around to the left. And I looked over, right? You don't do this. Don't, no, none of you would do this, right? No one would do this. I looked over because I was angry. I wanted to communicate my like disgust and like my frustration with this person. So I looked over, you know, to see who it was who wronged me, right? And it was my it was a coworker. <laughs> it was it was one of my coworkers from Brazil, right? And. And I, I was so ashamed, right? I was so ashamed uh, of my behavior. I was so ashamed of you know, the anger that I felt, the fist I had raised. Uh, and even worse, I think, was that I felt shame, more shame, because this was a person I knew, right? This is a person who would remember me, who could hold me accountable, right, for how I, how I, my appearance, how I behave. Right? And that's even worse. Right? I should be consistent. Right? I, I should feel bad either way. Um, now, fortunately, uh, you know, later, I apologized to this person profusely, and they were extremely understanding. I think Brazilians are extremely understanding people, uh, and we maintain a good friendship to this day. Right? Now, why did I tell that story? Because in that instance, the truth you know, it was on my side. That was a pretty bad decision to, you know, stop in the middle of the road, right? But what I communicated had not an ounce of love, not an ounce of empathy for a person who could be in an unfamiliar place, doesn't know how to get to their hotel. Uh, and I really had to take a step back after that happened, and examine my heart, examine, you know, why was that my first reaction? You know, how, why did that happen? And I had, to, I had to confess my own just sinfulness to God and to repent. And maybe right now, the Lord is bringing a conviction to your heart about an incident where you may have had an outburst or said something to someone, and you may have even been in the right. But looking back, maybe your intentions, your attitude, your heart, were not seeking to build up the other person. 
And maybe the Lord is calling you to confess and repent of that today. So I'm going to go to our third point for today. It's that speaking the truth in love requires empathy. Speaking the truth in love requires empathy. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, the author writes this. says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And Paul is basically saying here, you could have superpowers. You could be Professor Xavier from the X-Men. You could see the future. You could know the answer to every possible question. But if you do not conduct yourself in a way that seeks to build up others that seeks others' interests above your own, then in the eyes of the Lord, those powers, those gifts, they accomplish nothing. You could have the intellect of Albert Einstein, the rhetorical skill and conviction of Martin Luther King Jr., the physique of Shugo Komatsu, (laughs) but... Why is that funny? Why is everyone laughing? <laughs> I don't know, Shugo. I don't know. But if you are not in practice loving others well, then you have, in fact, done nothing. And that's a very humbling thought, I think. But it makes sense. right? Have we successfully delivered truth if the words that we deliver and how we deliver them can leave a person despairing or crushed. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not preached in advance if our words, our attitudes, and actions leave people feeling despair. And too often when we do deliver, even even when we need to, say, a rebuke, right? This is all not to say that rebukes don't have a place, right, when we need to confront someone, right? But if our words leave someone feeling crushed or in despair, then maybe we haven't preached the gospel to that person. The gospel is advanced when people repent, when they're reconciled, and when they're restored. Proverbs 16, 20 through 21 says this, whoever gives thought to the word will discover good and blessed is he who trusts in the lord the wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness this verse tells us 
right? That if we're to speak the truth in love, sometimes we need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. It also means that we need to be considerate of the person and their situation. Now, if you haven't already, I, I want to encourage you to, to look at your connection card again. Um, just hold it out in front of you. Uh, and I want us to ask ourselves, when was the last time I wrote something down with the purpose of encouraging the church at large or to build up the staff um, or just something good that you wanted to highlight? Yeah. And when was the last time that you may have wrote something critiquing the message or the music or the flow or Pastor Corey's hair? Now, I'm never in a position to read these cards, but I also know that it can be easy to write words that we might not easily say in person. I also know that it's easy to critique someone without taking the time and effort to come alongside them to understand. I struggle with that all the time. But I challenge you today to really make an effort to ask yourself, how can I be helping to build up the people around me? How can I be a blessing to the others around me. All of this is hard. It requires us to, to look beyond ourselves, right? To not just want to get something off our chest, but to come into another person's life. It requires us to recognize that everyone's going through something, that we're all in varying states of brokenness, and it's, people's lives are messy. But if we are to mature to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which is what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 13 through 14, right? And that's, this is the road before us. This is the challenge that we are to engage with as believers, right? But we can take this to heart because this very same road is the road that Jesus Christ himself has already walked for us, okay? Because while we were yet sinners, okay, Christ died for us, and we were enemies of God. We did not want a relationship with him. He entered into our lives, right, and brought us to him, right? Hebrews 4.15 says that we have a God who understands and sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows us, and he wants us to do the same for others. So as we kind of go forward from today, I want to just encourage us, challenge us to extend that same grace that we receive from Christ to each other and to the world around us. Um, and in so doing, that we would speak the truth in love and build up the church. So let's pray. Lord, we just come before you, and we just acknowledge that um, in many ways uh, we fall short in, um, of, of so many ways, God, in so many areas, but we fall short um, in this area of speaking the truth in love. But Lord, we want to know you more. We want to be more like you. We want um, to, to grow in this area. So Lord, we pray that you would help us, convict us, 
drive us, push us, nudge us to um, better see, better understand, uh, better love the people around us and how we speak. Lord, we love you. We thank you for being good to us in your name. Amen.